Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Welcome, I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yeah! Podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market Magazine. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. The essence of collecting, as we like to call things around here, this is show number 16. Keith, I want to jump right into the market today because uh, you had a, or we had a guest who emailed us that was talking about, well, you guys always talk about these really fancy high-end cars. What about for us average Joes, the average person who wants to get into the collector car market? Are there opportunities? And I say there are. What say you, Keith? Uh, I could have bought a true collector car for less than $10,000 last week. I was following this 1984 Mazda RX-7. That's the first gen. And, you know, they had those rotary engines that everybody was intrigued by. It had 16,000 miles on it. And it sold for $9,500. There you go. That's the way to get into them. Were those original miles? Original miles. And the thing, Mark, is if that car is properly kept, it's never going to go down in value. Right. Exactly. And and you've talked about this on our show, Keith, with the Volvo that you bought. And I know you've got an incoming uh, surprise for some folks. Some of that surprise has gotten out on the Internet. So I'm not going to give it away here. I'll let you do that. But you've talked about the fact that you don't have to spend tens and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to partake in the car hobby. Uh, There are some opportunities out there. And this Mazda is just when my mom had one of those when they first came out. And I was always begging her to borrow the keys, thinking my mom's pretty cool. That was a fun car. Well, they're they're attractive cars, too. They've aged well. The key mark to buying an inexpensive collector car uh, is is knowing what you're buying up front. Because with shops charging between 100 and 150 bucks an hour, it doesn't take many hours of labor before a good deal turns into a bad one. Yeah. You know, on my Cars Yeah podcast blog, which I just wrote this week about that very thing, and basically it was about that there's room for you too. There's room for everybody to have fun in this. And the great thing is when you go to a Cars and Coffee, you could buy a $9,500 Mazda RX-7 or you can show up in a $100,000, half-million-dollar car. And you know what? Lots of times those less expensive cars that are carryovers from those periods of cars are the ones that everybody's standing around. It's like your Volvo. Yep. Well, I would encourage people to uh, buy or beware, caveat emptor. You heard Keith say it. If you're going to buy a car, check it out. Talk to people. Join a club. If you're going to buy a Mazda, join the Mazda club and ask them about, are there certain years to look at and things to do? Are there any other little quick tips you might offer people if they're looking at buying a what we would call an affordable, inexpensive collector car? Well, I think... Uh Joining the club or being going to a club meeting is uh, a good idea. In fact, I know if you went to a Mazda club meeting and stood up and said, gee, I'm thinking of buying a first-gen Mazda, <laughs> you'd have to fend off the people who are uh, coming after because you know, because everybody's looking to sell a car one way or another. Well, just but like I, you I with think, your Volvo. Yeah, that that's right. So, so the club meetings are good. Also, if you go to a car show and you see a model you're interested in, find the owner and talk to him. I mean, you just, or at an auction, if you go to an auction, if there were a first gen RX-7, I guarantee that auction, cars at auction attract experts, whether they're good experts or bad experts is a different question. But 
they'll all the RX-7 enthusiasts will be standing around that car. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And of course, uh, if you're not already a subscriber, I got to do this for you, Keith. You got to subscribe to Sports Car Market Magazine. You can either get a digital offer or the print one like I like to get. And uh, we've got a little offer for you today uh, before we jump into the show here uh, for you to save a few bucks and get your hands on it. Because you can kind of see what market trends are there, which is very cool. They've been doing it forever. Uh, but you're right. Uh, you can be involved. You don't have to spend a fortune to have some fun here. Keith's a great example of that. I am too. And there's tons of people out there. So uh, don't let the talks with some of the big boys scare you away. And, you know, even Amelia Island, I saw some affordable cars go across the block. Uh-huh. It was you know, it's, cool. it's You just have to be vigilant and have your eyes open and always know what's your budget. You know, when I went uh, looking at this uh, Mazda, I had a budget of about $10,000. And so the car got right to my budget. I decided against it because I thought maybe I'll wait and look for a third gen Mazda RX-7. But it, I knew where I was going to stop bidding. Yeah, and that's the way to be. Uh, as Keith said one time to me in his own words, I think with uh, this new car that's coming, I accidentally bought this car. You don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be prepared. But sometimes there's deals and you got to jump when they're there. So, uh, and as you said, like with this Mazda, whoever got this car, they're not going to lose money on it. Uh, they can turn around and sell it for close to or what they paid for it if they have. That's right. Absolutely. Well, we'll be back in a minute to talk with our guest today. But first, that special offer that I told you about from Keith's team at Sports Car Market Magazine. We'll be right back. Mark Green here. I have subscribed to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades. While I've dropped most of my other car magazine subscriptions, Sports Car Market is the one I'll never let go. It's a hold. Getting it monthly in my mailbox brings a huge smile to my face. Sports Car Market Magazine is filled with great articles and market updates on collector car values. It's a virtual treasure trove of value. Even the advertisements are fun to watch. Boy, I've got a deal for you. You're going to get $10 off your print subscription simply by using the code BSH on their website. Go to sportscarmarket.com slash BSH, use the code BSH, and get 10 bucks off your print subscription of Sports Car Market Magazine. That's a deal. That's code BSH at sportscarmarket.com slash BSH and get $10 off your print subscription today. All right, we're back. So, Mark, who are we talking with today? Today, we've got Steve Algram on the phone here at Buy, Sell, Hold. Steve Algram has been buying and selling collectible automobiles for almost 40 years. Along the way, he put his experience to good use judging in many Concours events. And while his expertise is in the Ferrari mark, his assignments have ranged from brass era Buicks to the most modern exotics. Steve is a board member of the IAC PFA, a Ferrari Judging Council, Ferrari Judging Council. He also has helped plan several shows and serves as the chief judge of the Celebration Florida Exotic Car Festival. So, Steve, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. How are you doing today? I'm doing real good, and uh, thank you all for letting me be a part of your show today. Great to have you here. Yeah, Steve, it's great. You've, you've been writing for Sports Car Market for so many years, and you write so authoritatively about Ferraris, and you're right in the mainstream of all the activity that's going on. If you looked at the market today and described it in just one word, what word would you pick and why? I'm going to say the market today is evolving. 
I think that the market has, during the time that I've been doing this, has changed an awful lot. When I first started, you would have a few guys that uh, that would buy some cars, and I don't know if you'd necessarily call it collecting or whether it would just be acquiring. And they'd get uh, they'd get a garage full of cars and sometimes a barn full of cars, but in many cases there wasn't any rhyme or reason. As we went along, I was finding people who were more of financial collectors, that they would start buying cars because the market was going up and they felt like uh, if they put a few cars in their garage that they could use that as a financial hedge. The people who were buying cars for financial reasons have kind of become dormant at this time. They're not necessarily buying. They're not necessarily selling a whole lot. They're just holding on, waiting to see what's happening with the market. What we're seeing recently is a lot of younger people coming in that are looking for younger cars. The business that uh, I'm in with Motor Car Gallery down in Fort Lauderdale, we have catered to the exotic crowd since, uh, well, the gentleman that started, it started in 1974 selling used late model exotics. And as that's gone along, the business has stayed more with with the early model exotics, uh, old Maseratis, old Lamborghinis, old Ferraris, and we didn't really migrate more towards the newer stuff. And what we're finding now is that a lot of the older stuff is not doing much, but as we get into collectible modern Porsches, uh, some more modern Ferraris, that that market is, um, is where the business is right now. So let's talk about three cars today, uh, Steve, on this show, Buy, Sell, Hold. A car that, that you've been involved in the buying of, that was a special story. The car that you've been involved in the selling of, and a car that you would never let go of. So let's start with the buy. Tell us about a buy that was memorable. Well, I'd have to say probably one of my most memorable of my time is I bought a Lotus Europa when I was first starting college. I had been through a couple cars, and I had gone to a car dealer and there was a Lotus Europa there. I sat in this car. The center console came up to my shoulders. The door came up to my shoulders. It was, it felt like a race car inside the car. And and it was just something that really spoke to me. I said, I really like this car. And it was uh, several years later that I happened to look at an ad in the newspaper. And when I looked at the ad in the newspaper, there was one of these for sale over in South Bend, Indiana. There was a Notre Dame student who had bought one and brought one over there, brought, brought it to school with them. And I saw the car, had to have it, and bought the car, brought it back to where I lived a little bit outside of South Bend. The next morning, I went out and took the car for a drive, and there was a horrible noise in the back. And anybody that's had a Lotus Europa knows exactly, well, that's a rear wheel bearing. So we had uh, the experience of being a Lotus owner from the very first day and that uh, <laughs> you had to fix the car before you could go out and do anything else with it. But I owned that car for um, for a fairly good amount of time. I took it down to college with me. And when I had it in college, we ended up having a failure of the transaxle. Then we had a failure of the engine. And we had a failure of the engine. I just kind of uh, abandoned the car. We pulled the engine out. And where I lived, we kind of in the country. And I pitched a Sears tent out in the backyard, put the engine and transmission in the Sears tent. And it sat there for probably close to a year. And I, one day I was uh, on a drive and there was one that went past me on the interstate. On the interstate, there was a uh, Lotus Europa went past me. I said, I've got one of those. And uh, decided I'll go back and put that car together. And we put it back together and I drove it for a while and ended up uh, selling it thereafter. I love it. 
Were you happy with the experience despite the Lotus experience, as you so eloquently put it? I mean, obviously, that's the car you picked to talk about to start the show today. Yeah, I actually had uh, two more Europas, had a turbo spree at one point, had a normal spree at another point, um, had an Elise that uh, that I was using as a demo from work for a little while. So uh, I, I, I kind of stayed with the Mark for a long time and, and thoroughly enjoyed the cars. Yeah, I, the first time I ever drove an Elise, I, I I related it to driving a piece of jewelry. It felt so delicate and so light and so nimble. It was just a wonderful experience. It was a car that had been fully restored by a guy named Brian down in, in uh, North County, San Diego. It was a beautiful car. It was kind of a purple color with a red interior. Uh, it was just delightful. So I can see the Lotus allure. Let's talk about a significant vehicle that you've owned and then sold, a car that you let go. What was it? What made you decide to sell it? And were you happy with the experience? The car that I let go, I had a 308 GTB, a 77 308 GTB that I bought when I was selling at a Ferrari dealership, FAF Motor Cars in Atlanta. We were the factory authorized Ferrari dealership. And this was a yellow 308 GTB, black interior. It had a long front spoiler, sometimes called a European spoiler. And I had bought the car and sold the car on two occasions before. It came back in, and I had an opportunity to buy it at that time, and I decided I'm going to buy this car. And I bought that car, and I kept it for seven years. And at that point, it's, it's probably the longest I've ever kept a car. And it was a, uh, it was a tremendous experience. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the car. It was absolutely beautiful. The profile of a GTB is so much more attractive than the GTS. And this car was a car wherever I took it, people always would come out and say something about the car. And it, it was a wonderful car. I loved having that car. But uh, what ended up happening is that around the time I've had it for seven years, we ended up having a child. When my son came along, there wasn't really room to take him in the car, and it was not as much fun to go ahead and drive the car without taking the family with me. So it was time to go ahead and sell the car. Yeah, that happens in our lives, doesn't it? Uh, unless you're Keith Martin, he just keeps putting his little kids in burritos in their in their cars and and driving them. But he can get away with stuff like that. Steve, you you could have gotten a 308 GT4. You know, I've had four 308 GT4s. <laughs> I tell the story that uh, one of the 308 GT4s was my wife's everyday car. I mean, literally, she drove it back and forth to work. She used it the same way that you would drive a Chevy back and forth. I thoroughly loved the GT4s, too. And what I liked about them the most was that they were quite drivable. You could take it and you could leave it at the mall and people didn't bother you. It was fun to drive. I used it for track events and it was great car to drive around the track. It was, you know, the, my wife's car, we actually took it from Atlanta up to um Elkhart Lake for an event up at Elkhart Lake, drove around Lake Michigan, back to Elkhart Lake for the event the next weekend, and then drove it back to uh, back to Atlanta. I mean, the car was was that usable. We, we thoroughly used it for everything. I think that's pretty darn cool. Wow, you got a cool wife. She's a keeper uh, driving a Ferrari <laughs> back and forth to the grocery store and work. I think that's pretty darn cool. I'm not so sure my wife would do that. She's uh, she won't even drive my E46 M3. She says it's a clown car because it's too bumpy and jerky and everything. Uh, that's pretty cool. If we can add a little bit in, uh, if, yeah. if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my wife because she's an interesting character and it's, it's kind of good to go with the whole story. Yeah. 
my wife was the membership services person for the Ferrari Club of America. And she did that for, I think, 15, 16 years. So she knew most of the people that I knew. And in many ways, she knew more people than I knew in the Ferrari world. And she was uh, used to getting hit up with having to drive cars because we would go out to Road Atlanta or someplace like that for one of our car events. And we'd have a client come in from out of town and he would say, well, can you take my car back to um, back to the dealership? Well, I always had my own car, but she rode out with me. So she, she was always the one that got tapped to drive a car. So I can remember a time when she got thrown in a boxer and said, here, you're going to take a boxer back to uh, the dealership. Uh, another time she had a Daytona Spider and you know, no idea what she was driving. It wasn't a matter that, that she really, that these were intimidating cars to her. They were just cars. And she'd comment about, yeah, that, that steering is kind of hard in that car. So anyway, she, she was an integral part of, uh, of, this, of the time I spent around cars. I love it. It's great. Well, let's take a short break. We're going to thank our sponsors. Uh, Keith's team has another special offer for you folks, you listeners right now, and we'll be right back. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades, and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50? That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to Buy, Sell, Hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. All right, we're back. So, Steve, let's talk about a vehicle you have you'll never let go. Share a memory you have about getting that car. How did you find it? Why do you love it so much? And why would it take a pretty penny to let you depart with it? Currently, I have sold out all of my cars. When we moved from Atlanta down to uh Fort Lauderdale, there was no place to store cars down here. I mean, you, when you live in a condominium and you've got a a storage Basically, it's kind of like a shelf that you put your cars on. It's a parking lot, but uh, barely covered. There's no way that you can really keep a collection of cars. So we let all the cars go before I left, um, before we left Atlanta. But actually, the the car that I would pick would be the uh, the 308 that we had. That that was the car that was the real keeper. And I had an opportunity about a Two years ago, a gentleman over at Tomani Classics over in Dubai contacted Keith about coming over and doing a rally over in uh, over in Dubai. And Keith was not able to go at that time, and I was lucky enough to go ahead and get that position. And when I got over there, the car they gave me for the rally was a 76 308 fiberglass 308 GTB with uh, with the dry sump engine. And so I got to drive that car and do the rally in and it brought back the feelings that I had of the car and the, of the old yellow car. And that that's the one that if I ever had a chance to want uh, to get it again, I would get that car and probably keep it forever. You know, you touched on something here with us uh, and I keep seeing it on social media as boomers, as they call us um, sometimes derogatorily, but uh, I kind of like the term. I think I'm going to embrace it. Uh, is uh, as we age and as we part out our cars or sell down our cars, I should say, 
Or if we move into a smaller place, I know Satch Carlson, who uh, is the publisher of Roundell, BMW Club Magazine, he went through this when he moved into a condo and had to turn the little parking space he had there into uh, something for his cars. Let's touch on this a minute. And Keith, I mean, you have an option. You have a place to keep your cars downtown. I have a house. I've got extra garage space. But what would you say to folks, Steve, that, you know, are paring down their lives and they're going to keep one car? Is there Are there some thoughts that they might do if they don't have a place to park it? Do you just have to find a good friend or a storage bin? Uh, all around the country now, there's a lot of commercial storage places. And in some ways, they're on... Um, they're public man caves to where you can go ahead and have a place to store your car. Oftentimes there'll be a clubhouse tied in with it so that you could go in and hang out with other people. And it's, uh, it, it's something that you'll see all around the country. Now we've, we've got several of them down here in South Florida, particularly in a situation because we have a lot of snowbirds that uh, don't, can't keep their cars. They want someplace safe to keep their cars during the, uh, during the summertime, but but we're also seeing it for people who just kind of want a place to hang out and, um, you know, somebody, someplace to go over and run into other people that have cars. So we're oh, seeing yeah. a lot of that nowadays. Yeah, they become social collection centers, and I, I think it's very cool. They're going to be building one north of me here up at the New Bremerton Raceway. I was at Garages of Texas last summer. I got to visit that facility, and they're building a bunch of those around the country. There's a lot of them. Of course, we had um, Gordon McCall. Gordon McCall, there we go. That's why I had a senior moment there. Um, Gordon McCall on the show where they built a wonderful facility out there by the Monterey Airport. Same kind of thing. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Steve. There's some really cool options. So, Steve, I'd like to, yeah. to talk to you about a, what you think the perfect all-around collector car would be. Not the most expensive, not the fastest, uh, not the most unique, but a car for you that you could just hop into and go and do almost any event and feel good about it. What car would that be? Well, I'm going to answer this in two different ways. First is I've heard some of your previous guests pick some cars that were pretty esoteric that you really wouldn't take and not uh, driven. And in uh -huh. that case, I have a particular choice, and that's going to be the Pegaso Z102 that was at Amelia Island a couple of years ago. The, the yellow, yellow Pegaso with, yeah. The, yeah, with, with the red tires. I mean, if there was ever a car in my life that spoke to me and said, I want that car, that, that was it. I mean, that, that, that car had the pedigree, it had the looks, it had everything. It was an incredible car. But in terms of uh, passing along, and I'm going to keep with my same vein of staying in the Ferraris. Uh, if I was ever going to pass along to somebody and said, if you want one Ferrari, it's your starter car, and you want to keep it for a long time, it's going to be this. 328 GTS. A 328 GTS is the last of the analog cars. There's very, very little to do with uh, very little computerized um, mechanisms with the car. I mean, they have an electronic ignition and fuel injection that's really not even electronic. So that car, if, if you get into one of those, you can expect that it's not going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to stay together really well. And it's going to not change in value dramatically. People oftentimes want to get into a car that they think is going to make them some money. It's not going to make you any money, but it's not going to cost you much money either. And I think at the end of the day, that's the thing that most people want to have is they want to know that they're not going to lose a lot of money. And so that that's going to be my one ideal car to pass along to someone. I've got a third car had kind of come up in my mind recently that in my whole career, 
there's been very few times that I've looked at it and said, here's a car that someone should buy if they want to hold a car for the future. My car for that right now is buying the last of the front engine Corvettes. If I was 40 years old and I want a car to put in the garage and pull out 30 years later, it is going to be the last of the front engine Corvettes. That car is is an icon. Now, people are going to, anybody that's that's of that age group is going to remember a Corvette as a front-engine car. The mid-engine car is a wonderful car, and I cannot uh, fault the car at all. It does what it's supposed to do, but it's not an iconic car. It looks like all the rest of the mid-engine cars. It looks like a Ferrari. It looks like a McLaren. It looks like an NSX. It looks like the rest of the mid-engine cars. But that front-engine car it is something that, that it is iconic, and it is going to be the 67, 427 Corvette of the future. Cool. Great advice. I was thinking about this, uh, Steve. When you talk about 328s, before we talk about the market at large, 328s had a spike about two years ago, and they've settled down now. Do you think that they're done spiking, or do you think that this is a good time to buy? I think that it's a good time to buy. It's probably almost always a good time to buy, except for a couple of years ago when we saw some of the like the very end of the line that was getting well up over $100,000. But that's settled back down. And I think that you can buy a good 328, somewhere between sixty dollars and $90,000. You should be able to get a really nice car that you can be proud of. You could put away and, and keep it if you want. You could take out and drive it if you want. It's just going to be a, a good value to have in the future. So, Steve, when we started the show, you talked about the market today being evolving. How has this evolution of the market affected you and your business? I mean, you make your living buying and selling cars. If you make a bunch of mistakes, you're not going to be in business, so you can't afford to make mistakes. How do you fine-tune what you do to match up with an evolving market? I, I lived through 1988 and 89 market to where we had a really high market in 1989. We had a total collapse of market in 1990. So I've always been aware that what goes up can come down. So when I watched the market climb from, say, 2010 to 2015, I was pretty aware that we might be in a situation where the market was too high. So what we started doing at the dealership at that point was doing a bit more consignments than actually purchasing cars. And by doing consignments, we could kind of hedge our bet for the future, that if, if the car if you bought a car that um that you paid top dollar for in 2015 you got a good chance of losing money on it but if you took it in a consignment and the market changed during that time it was actually the owner of the car that was going to have to feel the drop of the market in many cases that person had bought that car at a much lower price anyway so it wasn't really going to hurt them it was just something that they weren't getting as much money as they were getting before uh, one of the examples I always like to use was boxers because boxers are one of the fame, one of the cars that tend to be pretty volatile. And I, I would, would get, you know, a little bit upset with the guys at the boxer. They bought their car for $110,000. The market went up to 300 and the car came back to 225 and they were lamenting that they were losing money on it. Well, they weren't losing money. They bought the car for 110. They were making a lot of money on it. They just missed the top of the market. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, uh, certainly this day and age with the volatility of what's happened in the market and the world, if you will, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the effects that all this has will have on the car market. Uh, we had previous guests on the shows that talk about when the stock market's really high, the car market tends to go down a little bit. 
and then vice versa because you look at cars as a place to tuck some money away. Um, is that something that you would see or think about? I think it is something that collectibles tend to go up in value as the stock market drops down. People like to put their money somewhere else. And we had the same situation, I would say, when the real estate market got soft, that uh, a lot of the guys that invested in real estate, they were no longer buying real estate. What are they going to do? They still have money. And so that they were buying into um, they were buying into cars. And I think that that's one thing that changed the market a little bit was that we had so many people buying into cars that we changed the supply and demand that there was more demand for the cars and what this what there was supply and that's where the market went up and it was a bit artificial when it went up in the 2015 range what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they're interested in buying cars and selling cars well the best way to catch me is um, steve Algram at motor car gallery in fort lauderdale florida you can also catch me on facebook at steve Algram at uh, on facebook i have a Small Instagram presence at uh, Italian Gallery at uh, on Instagram. My best way to catch me oftentimes is going to be in my email, which is italycars at aol.com. Italycars at aol.com. I've kept you know, the whatever. AOL address for years because there, I'd never have to spell this for anybody. But, but Motor Car Galleries is really your home base, correct? That that's my home base, but um, I do a few appraisals. I just finished an expert witness uh, job, and I do some inspections. Um, I have had a West Coast dealer that would have me look at um, F40s, uh, F50s, and the high end supercars around this area. So I I do some stuff like that on the side. Very cool. Well, listeners, I'll remind you: you can find everything Steve has shared with us today on his show notes pages. He's got one on the Sports Car Market Magazine website and one on the Cars yeah website. Or as you're listening, or if you want to listen to all of the Buy, Sell, Hold, you can just search your podcast, mobile podcast app, type in a Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, and that'll pop right up. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. Really a delight to talk to you. We appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. I enjoyed being here. And uh, Keith, I've enjoyed working for the magazine for years. That's one of the things I really look forward to is getting my assignment at the uh, mid part of the month and trying to figure out what kind of research I can do to answer the questions on uh, that people are going to have about a car that I may have never seen before. Well, Steve, I have to tell you right now, when we're done with this podcast, is my favorite time of the whole month because it's the magazine. The next issue is finished and they've set it on my desk. And this will be the first time I see it since we gave the assignments out. So I look forward to reading what you wrote. And it's it's like having, uh, you know, when you're at a buffet sometime and you say, which dessert do you want? And I say, I'll take one of everything. That's the way I feel when they bring me the magazine. I get to read the whole thing all by myself and just drink in all of your great observations, your great words, and your great thoughts. So I can't thank you enough for being a part of Sports Car Market. Well, I, I've certainly enjoyed doing it. Well, and as a reader of Sports Car Market for decades, I've enjoyed your words very, very much. Maybe one day I'll be a Ferrari owner. Uh, you might just suede me that way. I love those cars. So uh, now you've given me the opportunity that there are affordable starter Ferraris for people like me. So I'm going to heed some advice there, Steve. Thank you for your time today. This has been great. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Very well. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you, Steve. Hey, Mark Green here. If you love the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, you'll want to listen to my Cars Yeah podcast, where over five years, 
I've interviewed over 1,475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses, and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the CarsYeah.com website and hit the free book button, and I'll email you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars Yeah shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars Yeah Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars Yeah Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your computer. Thanks for listening. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.